everyone wants to be resilient, but they don't realize that to be resilient, you have to go through a lot of stuff. You just don't wake up one day and be resilient. People who are resilient have gone through tough things. And so you kind of have to do that. Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, where we take you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and today we are truly taking you behind the scenes to meet one of our staff members, Bev Caulfield. Bev is one of the most resilient people I know, and this resiliency and grit has been developed by walking with God through challenging situations, both personally and in her 24 years of service with Samaritan's Purse. Bev is currently the leader of our apprentice program, and she's passionate about pouring into the next generation. And she actually started her work with Samaritan's Purse as an intern. And since then, she's responded to disasters in over 19 different countries. She's also lived in Liberia for many years. And personally, Bev has walked through a cancer diagnosis, and she's going through treatment. And you'll hear more about how God has met her in this part of her story. I've talked with Bev many times over the years, and there's so many things you could talk about with her, and so it's always hard to know where to start and what to cover. And so today, we started at the beginning and talked about how God has prepared her since she was a little girl for a life of service. I grew up the first uh, 10 years of my life in the Yukon, so that's borders Alaska. My dad was a gold miner, working way remote in in a mining camp. Just in the outdoors, climbing trees, digging outhouse holes for dad, um, learning some heavy-duty mechanics, driving my dirt bike around. It was like a kid's Mm -hmm. dream. In the summer, there was 24 hours daylight. So we'd be out on our dirt bikes like at 11 p.m. and wouldn't even know what time it was. Mm -hmm. Um, Just being really close with family because we, again, didn't have TV Mm -hmm. out in the mining camp. We had radio and we had books. And um, we had our imaginations. Um, and then, of course, it was work. Mm-hmm. Uh, come from a very, very hardworking family. Um, so I wouldn't trade that for the world because I think, again, I think God was preparing me to mm-hmm. live in remote areas. Uh, even little things like learning how to drive a dirt bike, like if you're in the field, especially in Liberia. Mm-hmm. Um the main way we got around was yeah, yeah. to different projects was on a dirt bike and just feel so at home on one. Mm-hmm. So just little things like that, that you see mm-hmm. how God just kind of brings things together. Mm-hmm. Um, digging an outhouse hole mm-hmm. have been part of a lot of latrine projects. Mm-hmm. So v- very comfortable with that, have an understanding of it all. Mm-hmm. Again, looking back, I think that definitely God was starting to lay mm-hmm. that foundation I love how God so uniquely prepared Bev for the life that he's called her to. Uh, She's gone on to study international development, and she has her PhD, but she actually started with Samaritan's Purse as an intern. I was a 28, 27-year-old intern. I turned 28 Mm -hmm. in the field, so I was older, uh, which I think gave me perspective. Kendall and I had uh, done—we had coached basketball at the university that we graduated from, and I was such a young— very poor leader, and I learned a lot of lessons during that time. And then coming to Samaritan's Purse, I think God started working on that, the whole leadership aspect and seeing things. But also, um, I just kept praying because Kendall was still unsure about being overseas, is just praying through, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, even if the things are hard, that Holy Spirit fire, keep that burning. And 
remove any wrong motives mm -hmm. from that fire. It needs to be solely from you, not me. Um, and that was hard because I didn't know what that really meant because it was like new territory for me. Um, and it was not easy at all, for sure. <laughs> there was a lot of crazy times, but that fire never mm -hmm. left. And I would just like constantly asking the Lord, is this of you? I need to know. Um, and I think sometimes we we need to ask it of the Lord. He's more than capable to answer, but we need to be willing to open our eyes and let him reveal things that we may not be looking for to affirm that or to say, no, this isn't of me. And I think that's super important. Like sometimes we just kind of bulldoze our way. Well, I just feel called. I hear that a lot from apprentices. Mm -hmm. And then it gets a little hard and testy. And all of a sudden it's just like, I don't know if I should be here. And ask God, is this, is this it? Is this where you want me to be? Is this flame from you? And help me see if it's not, not hearing maybe what others are saying that might be mixed messages. Look in the word, talk to him, start there. And I can almost guarantee you, if you really, really listen, he will speak to you or he'll reveal to you in some way or bring a person that you just know in your spirit you need to listen to. This deep faith that God will lead the way isn't just something that Bev believes. It's something that she lives out and instills in the Samaritan's Purse apprentices. She's been a part of the apprentice program since the beginning in 2019. This two-year program is designed to prepare future leaders of Samaritan's Purse. It helps young men and women develop spiritually and professionally so that they can quickly transition to full-time work within the ministry overseas. Bev leads with such humility and wisdom. And while I prepared to talk to Bev about all the incredible things that she's accomplished at Samaritan's Purse, Bev first wanted to start by talking about failure. She sees failure as a tool uh, to see God, and she truly lives out 2 Corinthians 12, 9 that says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. I think it's so important that there's going to be times that you fail. Mm -hmm. I have failed greatly. I have failed the Lord. I've been disobedient. Um, I have sinned against Him, and I've realized that. And that knowledge of the depravity of my sin, I think, also helps us realize that we are nothing mm -hmm. without Him. But it also gives us the freedom to know that we can be everything in Him. And... If there's anything I want apprentices or young people of the next generation or really anyone to understand is that just because you fail doesn't mean he sees you as a failure mm. or else I'd be in trouble. These experiences and her humility made her the perfect person to mentor the next generation of leaders at Samaritan's Purse. The apprentice program is designed as a talent pipeline for our future field workers Young adults who've graduated from college or, or a master's program can apply for this two-year program. And this program comes with extensive training, preparation, and mentorship, not just in tangible skill sets uh, that it takes to work in humanitarian relief, but also on the spiritual side of what it takes to continue in service to the Lord when things get hard. Through much prayer, she decided to take on this role of leading the program. And I just found myself thinking about all the amazing things mm -hmm. that God has given me the opportunity to experience that I would love to share with the next generation, including those failures. 
Um, if anything, that's what I had to struggle with the most. Am I willing to tell them this is where I failed and I don't want you to fail? Because mm. um, I think that's hard to admit to other people, especially maybe younger generations that are looking to us to guide them mm -hmm. and they want to see someone who's perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? I'm not, we're not, and you're not going to be, and that's mm -hmm. okay. I just love your passion for for young people in the next generation. I actually just read today Psalm 71 and 17 and 18 says, Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still mm -hmm. declare your wondrous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, oh God, until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. And the version I read at home, it said to the next generation. Mm -hmm. You know, I, yeah. I just love that. Yeah. You know, we are yeah. supposed to use what God has taught us, good and bad. Yeah. And declare his wondrous deeds. I mean, that's why we're here, to know God and to make him known to others. Bev went on to talk about her experience working in the field at the field office in Liberia years ago. When she and Kendall first got there, uh, the team was small, just a handful of members. It was so small that their home actually doubled as the office. Uh, but that country office continued to grow, and it proved pivotal when Ebola ravaged the country years later. One of Bev's own team members and Samaritan's Purse staff member, Dr. Kent Brantley, caught the disease. The situation was dire, and the entire global medical community was unsure how to respond. The only thing that Bev and Kendall um, and the rest of the Liberian team had to rely on was prayer. And now looking back, Bev sees how God used this experience to prepare not only her, but the ministry of Samaritan's Purse for future responses. They learned so much about infection prevention control, a skill that was pivotal during the COVID-19 pandemic. She also shared about how this helped prepare her personally for her own cancer diagnosis. Personally, I think that was the beginning of a journey of dealing with my, um, I would almost say, mortality and fear. Um, I was hoping that that would just be the first lesson and we would finish that lesson, but that has... <laughs> That has continued in different ways, whether it's through COVID, whether it's living with cancer. I mean, I look back at Ebola and go, wow, that was a huge wake-up call mm. in trust and faith. I thought I had a lot of trust. I thought I didn't have a lot of fear. I thought I trusted God with everything. I had no idea what was coming. I was so mm. naive and, if I dare say, foolish in some ways of thinking that um, you ever arrive of going through that and asking those questions. Do I trust that God's in control? And I feel that that's just a theme in people's lives that sometimes they don't want to answer. I have been forced to answer, and I'm glad. Because if anything, it's given me the freedom to know that He is. One of the ways God reminded Bev that he was in control was when she served as the team lead of our first Samaritan's Purse COVID-19 response in 2020. It was in Cremona, Italy. And while COVID has become more common and less severe to us now, in those early days, so much was unknown and the strain was incredibly deadly. Recently, Bev had the chance to go back there for a reunion with patients and national staff. And I was just sitting there and I was thinking back to when we were there and how I was so fearful that, you know, one of our staff would get sick and get mm. COVID. This is back at the very, very beginning of COVID where we had no idea. Mm. Like, people were dropping. And I was just like, Lord, I don't know if I could handle another situation like we did with Kent, where we had a staff member under our leadership get sick mm. with the possibility of dying. And God saw us, saw us through that. And when I was back there 
in October of last year, I was thinking about that. I was just like, again, oh, Bev, you had no idea what was coming. You had no idea that, gosh, what was it? Um, Six months later, you were going to be told that you had stage four metastatic breast cancer. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's one thing to have a staff member under your care get sick. It's a whole other thing when it's you. It still comes down to that question, do you trust him? Mm-hmm. I remember being on my knees, you know, being diagnosed and just being told every time when I had a scan, oh, it's also here and it's here. And it just being like, are you serious? I wasn't even on my knees. I felt like I was just flat, mm-hmm. you know, and I was begging God just to be on my knees at that point. Um, but it always comes down to one thing. Do you trust that he's in control? Um, and that sounds so cliche, and I hope people who are listening going, but Bev, you don't understand my situation. Um, but there's a great story um, in in Second Chronicles 20, when Jehoshaphat defeats the Moabs and Ammon, and they are completely overrun by people, and they all, he gets everyone together. And he's like, first of all, let's go to the temple, and we're going to pray, and we're going to lift this requests to God. And they they kind of question him. They're like, aren't you the God, the God who is in heaven? Like, we just want to make sure you're still the one in control, you know? And then later on, they're like, yes, you are. And then God speaks through them and says, hey, the battle's not yours to fight. It's mine. But this is what you need to do. And they still had to be obedient. They still had to go through and do something. But then God he just says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Go out to face them tomorrow. Don't try to hide. I could have easily just stayed in bed and just given up. Get up and face it, and the Lord will be with you. And then in response to that, instead of just being like, oh, are you sure? Like Jehoshaphat got down on his face and worshiped him, him the Lord, in that at least because he had heard from God this promise. And he trusted it, and then he was obedient and did what God said. And God did. Of course, he showed up and defeated them. He blessed them, and they were able to go and worship him. And so I think that's something that the very beginning of my diagnosis is just remembering that the battle is not ours. And again, it sounds so cliche, and I'm hesitant to just say these words out, but can we praise him within that? And that's something that I really— struggled with and had to learn. Like, I have a PET scan a week today. No idea. It could be the one, you know. Can I praise him through that? And then I get my results in two weeks. All of a sudden, I'm doubting everything. You know, like, it's still, it's within me to just say again and trust the words, do not be discouraged, do not be afraid. Get up and face tomorrow. Um, and I think that's something that... Um, over time, in the things that we have gone through, I have gone through, whether it be Ebola, living overseas, my upbringing, um, all these things, I still have to remind myself of that mm-hmm. and to give yourself grace in that. Mm-hmm. And that's encouraging because I think you're you're right. We never arrive. You know, mm-hmm. I think all, and, and you look at all characters Bible, David's a perfect example. I mean, he has countless Psalms where he is just pouring out, you know, he's being mm-hmm. threatened and attacked. And I mean, his situation's awful, his circumstances, mm-hmm. and he is weeping, you know, can't even sleep. 
Um, so emotions are real, exactly. but we are to die daily. You know, it doesn't yeah. mean we we give up and we say, I can just yeah. do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a constant battle mm-hmm. and, and decision. Right. I can't hmm. give my body the space to heal if I'm filling it with thoughts that are not of God. Mm-hmm. You know, like those are so powerful. I think all of us can say that, you know, when we're going through things, um, that a big part of the battle is just between our ears. I'm so grateful that Bev was so vulnerable with us, sharing her story. We all experience times where we question God's goodness in the midst of hardship. Uh, We can even get wrapped up in the doubts and the fears. And it's okay to question and ask God. Uh, But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians to take our thoughts captive and to make them obedient to the Lord. Bev shared how she has learned to do this and how she continues to learn to do this each and every day. From serving overseas, responding to Ebola, leading in the unknown of COVID, and even her own cancer diagnosis, she's continually surrendering her life to God. Her humility and vulnerability in sharing this has been so invaluable. And it's led uh, the apprentices and it's encouraged our team to release control of their own lives to God. So I think just being aware of that, and even with the apprentices, like I tell them, like you're going to get in the field, you're going to be lonely, you're going to get frustrated about something, you're going to be feel oppressed in a culture that you're not part of, and Satan will start to natter. And especially with young people, they start to doubt. And everyone wants to be resilient, but they don't realize that to be resilient, you have to go through a lot of stuff. Right. You just don't wake up one day and be resilient, mm-hmm. you know? Um People who are resilient have gone through tough things. And so you kind of have to do that Um, and embrace that. Embrace that God looks at you and says, you know what? I'm going to put a really hard thing on you because I believe in you and I am here. I'd rather be that person than a person that doesn't have that. I mean, he says throughout Scripture, just the reward in heaven for those who go through trials. What may not look like blessing here on earth, Jesus turned upside down and he said, blessed are those who go through this. And so I think you need to read it through the lens of Jesus, not through the lens of our culture. Like turn it upside down and it starts making sense. Yeah, and you, I mean, you personally have seen suffering, uh, but you've also seen it in your work. So many disasters, uh, and each one is different. Mm-hmm. The hurricane is different from the flood, the the disease. They're all different, but there's a commonality. It's mm-hmm. that we are mortal. We live in a fallen, broken world. What passages has the Lord brought you to mm-hmm. through suffering, you know, and uh, wh- how has he encouraged you? I've, I've been reading through the Gospels a lot, um, especially <laughs> uh, just reading through trying to find some rhyme to reason of why Jesus sometimes heals and sometimes he didn't, Mm. you know, and really just really grinding through that. Mm. And some days it's really hard. In Mark uh, 5, um, a dead girl and a sick woman, and it's when Jesus, I believe Jairus who came and his daughter was sick, and he's like, please come to my house. And so as Jesus is going to his house, the woman with bleeding there's this crowd following Jesus. He's going to this house to, you know, obviously help this man and his daughter who's dying. And this lady who had tried everything, everything for so long, and culturally we can't even comprehend what she went through, um, and is so timid and yet so strong and courageous all at once. It's just thinking in your head, if I can just touch his robe, 
She doesn't start yelling, get out of my way. You know, I need to touch this rope. She just goes in there, you know, with probably just the smallest amount of faith, but enough to be courageous just to touch his robe. And as soon as she does, Jesus just stops in the midst of that crowd. And he's just like, you know, my power has left me. And I think it's, it's like he has this incredible power. And when people of faith like this woman come, it like, it collides with each other, right? And he recognized that. Um, and then he, he says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Like that is so powerful to me in the work that we do because we do go to places where there's a suffering and yet Jesus can free us from that suffering. And literally the next section of that scripture is that they come to this guy, to Jairus, and he's like, your daughter's dead, so why even bother him anymore? And I'm sure his, Jairus's face just dropped and Jesus saw that mm-hmm. and was just like, don't, don't be afraid, just believe. Um, and I think even that is incredibly p- powerful when we are scared and we have fear. Don't be afraid, just believe. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> like when I'm laying in that PET scan machine and it's whirring around me, it's so interesting how Satan attacks. Like I'll go in there, jacked up on worship music and scripture, and I get in that thing and all of a sudden I can't remember anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh no, I will remember. Don't be afraid, just believe. And I will literally say that for 15 minutes straight until I almost fall asleep. Mm. But it's almost like just saying it over and over and over again puts you into this, just this spirit of just peace. Mm. But he says to him, don't be afraid, just believe. And he keeps going. And he goes into the house. His daughter has died. And he just goes in there and tells her to get up. And she gets up, mm. you know. And it's it's such a beautiful, there's these two stories that intermingle that have to do with us believing and having faith that he can do incredible things. But his timing is his timing. Again, it comes down to, do we trust that God's in control? And do we have the faith to believe? You know, because when we start getting scared, it's that our belief and our faith just start to erode a little bit at a time. And um, fear is, is what usually comes in to fill that. And I think we need to be careful about that. Give yourself some grace because things are scary. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. In two weeks, almost to the hour right now, I'll be sitting in a small room waiting for my oncologist to come in with results that either will set a trajectory for Kendall and I for whatever. And it is paralyzing. Mm-hmm. I can't explain it to you. Um, and I need to keep working through that. Little by little, you know, I'm not asking God to just change everything and I'm just going to be like, yeah, I trust him and be like flipping about it or like whatever. I recognize the struggle. And so I'm going to say, Lord, help me be better than I was four months ago from the last time. And then help me be better the next four months. Help me be better the next four months. Well, thank you so much. And I, yeah, Jesus is such a great model. I think the Gospels is a great place to start if people are struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, and I always think of his prayer, you know, right before the cross. You know, he pleaded and begged mm-hmm. God, you know, please take this cup from me. Yep. You know, but then he said, but not my will, but yours be done. And so it's that, yes, honestly, uh, telling the Lord our desires. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, we want his will, not ours. That was such a powerful conversation. 
Every time that I talk to Bev, I'm challenged and renewed in my faith. Uh, Whether it's sitting down in the lunchroom, talking casually in the hallway at work, or or sitting down for a long conversation in an interview, she challenges my faith. Uh, And one time she told me that she read Romans 8 over and over and over, and I can't help but think that hiding God's Word in, in her heart, and especially this passage, has prepared her. Romans 8, 37 through 39 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor powers, nor height, nor death, anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is how Bev lives as a conqueror in Christ. Uh, And most of my favorite people in life are are people like Bev who've experienced heartache, loss, suffering. They go through huge fires, but yet they come out refined, renewed, and and more in love with Jesus. They live like Job does. And I I love what he says at the end of chapter 42, verse 5. He says, I had heard reports about you, God, but now my eyes have seen you. And this is what Bev and many of our staff here at Samaritan's Purse, this is how they live. They, they had the head knowledge, but now they've seen him, walking with him through trials and heartache. Um, and they've come out loving him even more. And so I hope that this challenged you today. I know life is hard. There are challenges and hardships, but keep pressing into the one who loves you and created you. I hope that you were challenged and encouraged, and God bless you.